the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. This is the student edition. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. If you want to find out what the future holds, you have to visit the school. And if you want to understand this future, you have to talk to a student. Our podcast today tries to find the answers that explain the future with artificial intelligence. The kind of intelligence needed to explain artificial intelligence is not unique, but it definitely requires vision and an open mind ready to perpetually ask questions that challenge common logic, questions that push the limit of knowledge and therefore attempt to sketch the future. To most of us, artificial intelligence is expressed through a robot-like object that is programmed to perform certain tasks. To Adrianos Bocios, a ninth grader who in his spare time designs humanoids and ponders on AI ethics, artificial intelligence is the future, but with a strict asterisk. It has to serve the common good, and that can only happen if it is programmed ethically by us humans. With Adrianos today, we discuss exploring the water cycle and understanding sustainability at a young age, the green team of third grade, the fourth industrial revolution and artificial intelligence, the AI lab at ACS Athens, where we apply the theory, reimagining learning through artificial intelligence, the need for students to learn and adapt to the fourth industrial revolution, the question of reaching superintelligence, and ethical considerations about the use of AI. What is AI to you, Adriane? Artificial intelligence to me is a technology that humans can utilize in order to achieve something for the greater good. But artificial intelligence by itself is the ability for machines to demonstrate human intelligence, whether that is by learning something, applying something, as we see seeing something, computer vision, natural language processing. But artificial intelligence to me is something that humans can use a technology that can help machines become as smart as humans or help humans do certain tasks that will be for the greater good. And what is so interesting about AI that you decided to dedicate your time and effort? How did you first find out about artificial intelligence and who inspired you to get deeper into the AI rabbit hole? That's a question I have to go a little bit far behind to answer. Uh, From a very young age, I wanted to make the world a better place to make everyday life better for everyone else. And I started by demonstrating a project in the first grade in ACS Athens, where I presented the water cycle and found sustainable ways to have clean water for everyone. But I later on noticed that this, it's not just about clean water, it's about the whole world, about finding sustainable energies. What grade was that? First grade in ACS Athens. Was it a science class? Yes, yes okay. a science project. We had a presentation. Okay. So I found that it's not just clean water, but it's sustainable forms of energy. And that's why, and it's not just me, I have to inspire other students. And that's why I created the green team in third grade with a vision 
of making the world a better place by finding sustainable forms of energy. And cr we created a video on that. We made a sustainable train which used piezoelectric energy, solar energy, and hydrogen energy. But it wasn't just there. That wasn't enough. We noticed that technology was becoming a part of our everyday life, whether that was with our phones, our computers, Gmail, and all of these, we saw that we must be applied. Consequently, when I first started with all experimenting with all these technologies, with Internet of Things and all of, and all of these technologies, I noticed that they can be a solution to everything. And that's when we started implementing technology to make the world a better place, utilizing technology to make everyday life better. And consequently, afterwards, from fifth grade and on, I started using different forms of art of technologies, and one of them was artificial intelligence. So what really inspired me was this vision that I had of wanting to make the world a better place that so started from first grade. But those, all of these projects require a lot of work and many nights I stayed up very late creating these projects, Nikki or with the team. And I really wanna thank uh, my dad for there was certain solutions that if he wasn't there, I wouldn't have gotten through. And I wanna really thank my parents, both of them and my mom for always being there. And uh, then I want to thank my first grade teacher, Ms. Lambrou, for letting me present that project, that science fair, that water cycle. And then Ms. Sanaka Sem for inspiring to create the green team. So the school also, in a sense. And uh, yeah, that, that's really the, the things that inspired me and led to this vision that I have now. Going back to your experiment, and after so many years of thinking about it, can you define something in your experiment that would have been improved if you used AI? In the water cycle or yes. in the green city? Oh. Well, either of them. That was part of your experiment, right? Yeah. At that point, you didn't employ any AI, I assume. No, no. So it was a pure science experiment. It was a pure science experiment. So if you had the knowledge that you have today, is there something that you could have applied AI, let's say, in your science experiment? Well, in my science experiment, a way to apply AI, uh, that would be kind of difficult as it is a science experiment. The only way you could apply AI is by analyzing the water, analyzing how much exactly from, well, let's say you put uh, water with salt uh, from the salt oceans. You could use, collect a lot of data, but not just AI, collecting big data about how much percent of that water and how quickly you saved it and then create a, a certain AI algorithm, which will be able to predict the ways where you can gather water more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you would use data collection, data yeah. analysis uh, for AI to be useful. Yeah. Okay. Um, for people who are agnostic, people who do not know anything about artificial intelligence, can you give me some examples of AI in our daily lives? So again, the definition of AI is intelligence shown by algorithms or machines. So that could depend on what you define intelligence and that's where intelligence had to be redefined. And uh, what they came up with was that intelligence is the ability to learn something and then apply it. So that could be, for example, in computer vision, you have, uh, we have now Tesla or many other cars which use cameras in order to guide themselves around streets. How is that artificial intelligence? They have learned to recognize the stop sign or the traffic lights or a car, and then they apply that. So that's what artificial intelligence is, machines being intelligent. But it's not just that. You don't have to have a Tesla car to have AI. I mean, you could even have in your Google, your browser, your Chrome, 
how does it suggest something? Whenever you search up something, it suggests after. For example, what do I do? And it will suggest in my free time, in summertime. Mm-hmm. How does it know that? It uses vast amounts of data, or as it's called, big data. And it recognizes many people in Greece or in where you live specifically searched for summer. Why? What do I do in my summertime? Maybe because it's summertime. Maybe you're in June right now, July, and you want to go somewhere for summertime. So it learns based on what you search and what other people have searched. And it gives you a relevant result. Yes. So let's talk about the AI lab here at ACS Athens. You are part of this effort to create an artificial intelligence lab in the school. How did that start? How did it all start? Well, when we were experimenting with my team, green, the green team, uh, different forms of artificial intelligence inside a sustainable city we have made, we noticed that not a lot of people knew what artificial intelligence was, and more specifically, how it was becoming part of our everyday lives. So I thought of the solution that we have to educate the students, but not just in theory, in actual lab. Can you imagine a chemistry class without a chemistry lab or a biology class without a biology lab? No, there's that exact reason. About four years ago in 2018, ACS did not have a single thing about artificial intelligence. And when there was a meeting with uh, some other schools and I threw out the idea that the school should have artificial intelligence within their curriculum. And that's where the whole revolution started in our school, where artificial intelligence was becoming part of our school. But the AI lab is something special. I thought you have to have hands-on experiments. Students really learn when they apply what they have learned. When you apply in biology, what you have learned about DNA or about molecules, you apply them, you look into the microscope. That's what the AI lab is for for students to apply what they've learned, the theory to apply it somewhere where you actually learn and you have benefits by having hands-on experiments. As you can start a revolution with it, we have the saying eight lines of code, the eight line code mm-hmm. revolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With just eight lines of code, a student can create an artificial intelligence program, which does simple face detection. So that it's quite extraordinary. And you're going to try to get uh, students excited about this. And I mean, someone comes to you and say, okay, you have the AI lab now in operation in the school. Why should I get involved? Why should you get involved? Because artificial intelligence is everywhere around you. And even now, for example, we had Google's DeepMind. The Google system managed to beat a group of radiologists into detecting early breast cancer. So already the job of a radiologist isn't working by himself or herself, but working with an artificial intelligence program to better improve and make sure that more lives are saved. So artificial intelligence is part of our everyday lives. And the only way so you can adapt to this world is by learning what really artificial intelligence is and creating your own artificial intelligence. I think you sold it to me. (laughs) Um, Can you talk to us about your friend, Nikki? Ah, Nikki. Nikki is a multi-modular humanoid. Humanoid is a robot that has a form of a human and she utilizes machine learning, computer vision, speech recognition, internet of things, and robotics. Almost everything that's part of the fourth industrial revolution, actually everything. And she is fully 3D printed. And why did I choose to make Nikki? Why not, for example, a car which uses artificial intelligence to be part of the lab? Why? Because Nikki is going to be the leading project in this. And the motto that I've created for the AI lab, create, inspire, educate. Having a humanoid, something that looks like human, 
inspires everyone. You're like, what does this robot human look like? Look like? How can I make him more like me or less like me? Mm-hmm. And having a humanoid, there, there's thousands of things that can be done. From the hardware to the software, you could have teams just physics teams doing the working with the pulley and the levers, making her hands move up and down. She works with strings, the hands. You could have other teams working on the design, the color of the humanoid. And then you could have software teams working on how she speaks, even psychology teams working on how can you detect if someone is sad? What should you say when someone is sad? Because indeed there are programs which detect when someone is sad, but what do you say when someone's sad? Not only that, you have computer vision recognizing faces, saying, oh, this is Mr. Papadakis, this is Adrianos, this is, this is that, this is, this is that, objects. And all of that can be combined in one. But it's, it's basically the key project of the artificial intelligence lab where everything can be combined. 3D printing, robotics, designing the whole robot. And we're going to be able to see Nikki in the AI lab pretty oh, soon. Oh yeah, when the AI lab comes, Nikki will also be in the school. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. This is the student edition. Adriane, you have been a part of the discussion in our school about the ways artificial intelligence can be embedded into the curriculum of the school. You wrote a very thoughtful article in the latest Ethos magazine about creating, inspiring and educating through AI. Why do you believe it is important to include AI elements in the school material? Well, because it's what the fourth industrial revolution is about. And students have to be able to adapt to this change and they have to learn what's going on. I mean, you had colleges requesting and making programs about artificial intelligence, but that's not enough. We have to be prepared for the 21st century. Right now, in most of the schools, they're prepared for the 20th century. But now we are in the 21st and our world has changed dramatically. Leading technologies like artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, cloud, all of these have to be part of the school system and especially artificial intelligence that's is now surrounding almost every job mm-hmm. from basic, 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 even you have people from dancing classes are taken to train artificial intelligence algorithms on how to dance. It's, it's crazy what's going on. You talked about the fourth industrial revolution. How does it compare to the other three? So there's a huge difference with the first industrial revolution where it was on steam power. The second one was on electricity. And, uh, and the third one was automation and digitalization. Now the fourth one is again on technology, but artificial intelligence, blockchain, and all of these. But there's one single difference between all of these, the time it takes. Now we are in an exponential growth rate. And the time people had to adapt between the first and second and third industrial revolution was enough. But now in the fourth one, people don't have time to adapt. Already in Mercedes, for example, using that the fact that they already had factory workers there, they produced a, a certain algorithm within the factory that was able to detect if something went wrong. But that job, engineers had it, and they lost it in a matter of days when the algorithm was it was it was super fast to make that algorithm. So the engineers had to find another job within the company. They could have struggled to find another job. Why? Because they weren't taught to work with artificial intelligence. They could have been, if they knew how to work with it, they could have been part of the team developing it. And they could have avoided changing their job. They could have adapted to their job to with working with artificial intelligence. 
There are different reactions from different people about AI. The first industrial revolution, as you said, brought mechanization of the production line and so on. Now we're talking about something more profound that has the potential to change how people see our society and the role of the human beings. Are you concerned in any way? What should we be paying attention as we go forward and we put AI more and more in our lives? As every industrial revolution or big change in our society, there are many implications of it. They are always solved. And what we have to pay attention now is that the educational system prepares us to work with artificial intelligence so that we can easily adapt to these changes. Because if you do not know what artificial intelligence is, I mean, the basic things and how does it work with the lab, because it's not just a theory. You have to actually have hands-on experiments Mm -hmm. because that's where the real learning starts. The theory is proven and students get inspired to create their own projects with artificial intelligence. Whether that is a humanoid project, a color recognition, a car recognizer, and so on. So it's very important that we have that implemented into our educational system. And indeed our society, as it always has, will evolve. That's why we have, I mean, all these assemblies created for. Nothing of that fear of AI taking over the world will ever happen. As long as we have it part of our educational system and everyone knows and is able to adapt to it. There is a growing discussion about the term superintelligence. Artificial intelligence grows independently with the potential of surpassing the human capacity to control. We're not there yet, but many believe that in our lifetimes, definitely yours, AI will be a major force in societies. What are your thoughts about this? So currently we are in the, as it's called narrow artificial intelligence or weak AI. Artificial intelligence can do some of the tasks that we do, whether that is recognizing a stop sign or whether that is driving a car, whether that is playing chess, playing Mm -hmm. Go. But the next step will be artificial general intelligence where an artificial intelligence program will be able to do almost all of our jobs. Meaning that, of course, we will have moved on to new jobs working with artificial intelligence. We're talking about the old jobs right now. And now what you mentioned, the super artificial intelligence, the super... Super intelligence. Super intelligence, yes. So there's strong artificial intelligence, it's also called, is when it's going to have surpassed humanity into creating its almost every every job that humanity has. They even say that it's going to gain self-consciousness. Yes, again, that's another uh, question that I've always... uh, had, but there's no such thing as a self-conscious for a robot. And when, what do we define? What do you define, Mr. Papadakis, as self-conscious, aware of its surroundings? How do you know you are conscious? I'm aware of my surroundings. How about if uh, the artificial intelligence item, I don't want to say an anthropoid or whatever it is, a humanoid, yeah. um, suddenly becomes conscious of itself and it has feelings, it has premonitions, it has self-determination and the ability to learn. That's how I define it. But I'm pretty sure there are more academic ways of defining it. And, you know, people might be scared, might be concerned. So having something like that in our lives is something to think about. You talked about ethics. You talked about this kind of things. What kind of ethical approaches we should take um, as we go along with the technology? I mean, you talked about ethics previously. What do you think are the ethics of AI, in your opinion? Of course, with everything that we, that is discovered, there is an ethical, as the right word is in dilemma, but there's ethical approaches. 
there's a three in with artificial intelligence, the implication of artificial intelligence within the government of lawmaking as they are mm -hmm. already doing. The Council of Europe is doing this. The process of artificial intelligence and production wise, when you use a car, for example, there's a trolley problem. Let's say you're driving a car and then suddenly it crashes. Who's gonna be responsible? It has two options as the, the trolley problem says. One, turn right, crash into a wall and severely injure the driver. Or the second one, run over three or four people. You can't explicitly write in a program, run over three people or turn right and crash. So there's that ethical of, of how is it gonna be used. And then the third ethical is, which can be solved is the loss of jobs. And of course that can be solved through education. If people are ready to adapt, there's no such problem with jobs. And of course now the ethical part about whether production wise, it's not just in cars, but the cars are the most uh, common problem can also be solved through actual having a contact with the government, with the lawmaking and saying, okay, what's more reliable. And of course, explicitly in a program, the car will try to avoid a crash no matter what, what it thinks it is right. Can you describe to me your world in the next 10 or 20 years? Hmm. Based on what you know today? It depends on how you vision it. Uh, I envision a world where uh, many technologies will be implemented into everyday life. And one of them will be artificial intelligence to help humanity achieve something of the greater good. And uh, I also envision with uh, what we are doing with the AI lab that for that exact reason for people to be creative, to adapt to, with artificial intelligence, a flourishment of technology where different sorts of technology, mostly artificial intelligence will be implemented into every job, making us have a better life, a better life for all. Have you watched the movie Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams? I definitely suggest that you watch this. Yeah. Uh, it's at the point where AI is almost at the same level as a human, becoming a human and gaining human rights. Mm. So if you have the uh, chance to watch it, go ahead. Uh, yes, and I want to add to that. Um, a previous question you had asked about uh, artificial intelligence program becoming uh, self-conscious. You have to start, start with a definition of an artificial intelligence program at some point, if it ever gets, if when we achieve super intelligence, which there's some people say will be achieved within the 50 years, others believe will be achieved within more than a hundred years from now. Uh, AI always has a goal. When, and whenever you look at everything, anything, you see what is its goal. A knife is to cut. An artificial intelligence program, which does data analysis is to analyze data. So it's what its goal is, a heat-seeking missile. Its goal is to hit something. So AI has a goal and it's what goal we give it. And we must have our goals align with the artificial intelligence goals. That's the key here, as Max Tegmark said in one of his uh, books. The key here is to make sure that when it will surpass human intelligence, that we make sure that its goals are aligned with ours. Thank you very much, Adriane. This was an enlightening conversation and I'm definitely looking forward to meeting Nikki. Oh, yes. She's, she's, she's going to be coming very soon to the school. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to The Owlcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio.